Hey everybody, it's Lori. And I'm Matt. And this is episode one of Teacher Teacher Saves Saves World. That fun opening song is was written by a dear friend of ours, Brian Carmelich, and his band Sauce. And you know, only Brian really could take an office supply and turn it into rock and roll. Sauce Sauce was one of my favorite songs ever for a good portion of my mid to late twenties. Oh yeah. We went to so many shows. Yeah. So Brian used to be the frontman for a band called Sauce. He now uh, works under the moniker of Virtual Campfire. And we're gonna have all that information on our website. TeacherSavesWorld.com. Yep. But man, Sauce was uh, Sauce was awesome. Sauce was so great. We went to so many Sauce shows. I lugged so much gear helping my friends in Sauce, you know, drum kits and amplifiers that I was bestowed the honor of being made into a finger puppet. Yes. I was the roadie finger. Remember they made that set of finger puppets? Yep. And... So they had the band members and then they made a roadie finger puppet and it was my likeness. So lucky. That made it onto the roadie finger. That was one of the, I, I still consider it one of the highlights of, of my life. Oh, truly. There was our marriage because we're married. And then there was the birth of our two children and then the finger puppet. I'm glad those other two came first and yeah. second. Thank you, man. Yeah. So the finger puppet, but the, I mean, <laughs> I thought about it for a while, but yes, the finger puppet does fall just behind those other moments in life. But we digress. Yeah, that's too much. Well, welcome to our show. We, this, this show, Teacher Saves World, really has been kind of a podcast in our heads for 20 years. Yeah, and, we've been married for 20 years now. And teaching for 20 yeah, years. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. 20 years. We just made 20 years. That's pretty awesome. It is. Yeah. So we've, we've, and we started teaching right after we got married. So the, like our marriage and our life as teachers are just like together. Yeah. Linked. It's braided together. Yeah. So every night at the dinner table, we would deconstruct teaching. Every day. Every, every evening, every car ride we've got, every plane flight, every moment that we've had together which has gotten increasingly less as our children have become older and take up more of our time. But we still find time every day to talk about our day, education in general. It is the dominant conversation. It's a dominant topic. Yeah. And now we, we want to let you in virtually to our dinner yeah. table. We have over 7,000 episodes unrecorded. <laughs> and they're gone. They're unrecorded. Like they just into the ether, Right unrecord over 7,000 episodes. And we finally just bought something to record our conversations. Yeah. So here, so this so, is, we're calling it episode one, but it's really like episode 7,301 about <laughs> something like that. So really the, the podcast is geared at, at anybody that works primarily with teenagers. Yes. Um, that's our wheelhouse teachers and parents, because it is such a challenging time, an exhilarating yeah. time, yeah. a thrilling time. And we need to stick together yeah. as adults and we need to hang in there and support each other and uh, help one another. And, and we're not using Teachers Saves World at 
remotely hyperbolic. We are dead serious. Like oh, it yeah. sounds like it's being all sort of like hipster, ironic, whatever, you know, but it's not like it is. We are so serious that the, the job of investing, of working with teenagers to helping them become fully functioning adults in this world is the most important work that you can do. Yeah. And we've always felt this way, but it yes. took the coronavirus to make everybody else oh, yeah. feel this way. Yeah. Because right now we're in the middle of our shelter in place. We're, we're sheltering in place. We, we are so lucky. We actually, we went to Guitar Center and bought this gear <laughs> the day before like non-essential things shut down. Yeah. It was the day before. Yeah. We had a feeling. We, <laughs> we were so lucky, right? I, yes. I mean, if you could be lucky in a pandemic, but the fact that, you know, we, we bought this toy to do this and take advantage of really not, we don't necessarily have less work time because we're still doing, you know, remote work. It's the fact that our child's activities have gone away. Yeah. Now all of a sudden we have that time. So we're no longer going to, you know, volleyball practice, water polo practice, you know, doctors, dentist appointments, you know, teacher, we don't have any of that stuff. So yeah. all of a sudden we have time, we can sit down and re record the stuff and but you know, the irony is we've been working on it for months now, Teacher Saves the World, with that title. Yeah. And then, bam, the schools all get shut down in California. And all of a sudden, it's just meme city and posting. <laughs> like, parents are going crazy because yeah. their kids are not going to school. Yeah. And parents are having to teach them. And they are getting it really quickly, how yeah. important Well, hey, I mean, are. think how, st how stoked are our kids that they have two high school teachers as oh, parents that are so happy <laughs> that are home with them. Like they're, you know, they're, they're friends who have parents who maybe still have to go to work or whatever. And they're home like doing nothing. And our kids have like, no, no, you got to go on Google classroom. You got to check what you're doing. You got to make up this work. You got to do whatever. And but, we have a 16 year old son and a 13 year old middle school daughter. So oh, if that just doesn't sum it up. Yeah. They're so, they're so stoked right now yeah. to be stuck home with their two teacher parents like, and going to school. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, um, we're actually going to start this show with a segment we're calling if I was principal, because it doesn't matter your job, any job you've ever had, you come home, you're you're talking about work with your buddies, whatever. And always you're like, Hey, if I was the boss, I would do this. If I was the boss, well, it, we're teachers. So our boss is always our principal. So that's one of those things that's popped up in our conversations over the, well, if I was principal, I would do this. If I was principal, I would do that. So we're going to start off each show with a segment we're calling if I was principal and we're going to take turns kind of coming up with something that if we were principal, what's, what's one thing, one thing that you would do that you think would really make a difference. It might be something that's you, you, you're just coming up out of the blue. It might be something that you, you read about somewhere else, but you haven't experienced it yourself or just something innovative or something you read in an article, just anything. But one thing that if you're a principal, you would do one action you would take or, or something you would ask your staff or your students to do. So if I was principal and today our first one's going to come from Lori. Okay. I, I do honor that principals have a very difficult job, especially high school principals. But with that being said, if I was principal, <laughs> I would take a page out of my teaching playbook. And I think it's the most important possibly. I think the most important thing I do to set the tone and that is to greet kids at the door of class every single day. That means being there before 
um, or right when the bell rings or right before the bell rings. Now, a principal, of course, I see the campus as their classroom. So I would try to every morning be at an entry point. We have a few entry points on campus and I'd be in my school colors and I would be holding my coffee and I would just be waving, saying hello, greeting. I would want people to know who I was. I'd want uh, to see what cars they drive up in, who drives them to school, what they're wearing and just that smile and just make that connection. And I do feel like it does a few things. One Uh, If every teacher did that, can you imagine a kid going through class and all six teachers have said their name, greeted them, and smiled at them? That is a lift. Yeah, totally. Huge lift. Two, it's a data collection tool. So kids are walking in, and I'm seeing that they're wearing a concert shirt from a music festival. I can ask them about that. Their hair's unwashed. You know, I put that in my little file cabinet in my head, like, oh, this poor kid might be struggling here. At home, um, I see the girl that's crying. And her boyfriend from last week is now coming in later and not with her. And that's some vital information for me as their teacher to have that personal connection. So that would be my go-to. I'm with, I'm, I'm with you. I'm totally there. I love it. And I, you know, you know, total confession. I wasn't always the greet at the door teacher. Mm-hmm. I was the, I'm going to use this break to catch up on email and organize some papers and maybe input some grades. And I would, I was utilizing all of that in between class time to kind of take care of the business. Right. And I was, I was opening my door and the students were coming in, they were taking their seats, they were doing whatever they were chatting to each other, but I was, I was at my desk. And, uh, and then I had this one, I was working with some at-risk, uh, freshmen at-risk means, uh, they were not on track to graduate even as freshmen. Right. So they were coming in, mm-hmm. they, they knew. Right. So, and I was really struggling with this group. I wasn't connecting with them. I wasn't, um, just didn't, I wasn't, you know, having, getting the results that I was looking for. And that was the change that I made. That was the one where I just said, yeah, I need to do something. And I remember reading, I think it was, I want, I might get this wrong. I think the term is Losada, Losada, L-O-S-A-D-A, Losada line. It was like a, I think it was a scientist, somebody who discovered the, the, the positive to negative interactions that you need to, in order mm. to have like the ratio to have a, an impact, uh, was three to one. Yeah. So you needed to have three positive interactions and a positive didn't need to be like, Hey, great job. It just needed to be not negative. It needed to be just a normal, low stress, you know, connecting sort of a thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I remember reading that and I was like, you know what, I got to do this. I've, I've got to, I've got to just put my email on hold. It'll still be there. Right. And then I, um, I just started every day, right. I was out there at the door and every student that walked in, greeted them, eye contact, shook their hand, had a little, you know, how you doing today? Maybe asked them something specific, like, yeah, how the how the basketball game go last night mm-hmm. or hey did you make the cheer squad you know whatever was going on that yeah. I kind of knew about and it was the I'm, I'm with you it was the large like the biggest change that I've seen in my teaching life was simply starting every single class period with a positive interaction with every single student every single student hearing their name mm-hmm. and us having that little bit of that just moment and it was like maybe five seconds per student. Wow. I mean, it's It's nothing. Does it cost you anything? Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. Totally. And I, you know, and and we're not, this is not groundbreaking breaking stuff, right? We, there's all kinds of videos of like elementary teachers that have gone like 
crazy with the special handshakes, right? With yes, every student. That's impressive. Like it's become, that's, that's pretty awesome. That's impressive. But, but, you know, even if you are a more introverted teacher of which there are many, or just, you know, you're not the most expressive or touchy feely kind of um, person, just standing there with a smile. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. It's, it's more than enough. Yeah. Cause you are at the door and you are ready to go yeah. and they see that totally you're on time, you know, and, and, you know, in a sneaky way, it also kind of establishes a little bit of a, I don't want to sound draconian, but it, authority. No, you gotta you know? have that. You gotta, and you right? are managing this ship yeah. and you are, you are, you're not running my late from right. the bathroom or, totally. you know, where you're scattered and your keys are falling. No, you're, you're there. Yeah. So that's, that's credibility right there. Yeah. Right? There you go. You're, credibility. You're establishing that credibility. Mm-hmm. Now it was super weird because, you know, just prior to us. So I'd been greeting my students at the door every day. And then about two weeks ago or three, you know, two weeks prior to us, uh, our school shutting down, I stopped shaking mm-hmm. hands. Me too. And it was because, you know, the, um, you know, somebody at the high government level said it was not a matter of, of if, but when, right. And they, that really kind of like struck me with the whole coronavirus stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, you know, I got to maybe, so it was really, it was a weird moment. Like I, st- I was still greeting them, but I stopped, you know, they were all like yeah. reaching their hands out. I was kind of like, Oh, sorry guys. Let's, you know. And I hug every one of them. Wow. Yeah. Which I, I know some people are very, and I, you know, I it's a do, double standard do for a woman yeah. and a man probably, but I hug them all. So we started doing elbow kisses, but you know, one of my, my autistic boys, like elbow kisses. Yeah. We did elbow kisses like yeah. a, like a fist bump, but elbow. Yeah. And they thought that was totally going overboard because it was still early in the coronavirus thing, you know? Yeah. It probably was. I know. But I don't know that I'd ever get back my little autistic boy that took me, you know, six months for him to feel comfortable doing the side hug. Yeah. But anyway. All right. Yeah. So that's my if I were principal. I'm with you. I'm, I'm on board. I would love for you to be my principal. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Yeah. I would work. I don't know if they would allow that. Can you work for? You uh, might have to go. Oh, we work at the same school, by the way. I don't know oh, if yeah. we mentioned that. We teach at the same school. We teach at the same. We've spent actually most of our teaching life at the same school. Yeah. And not just the one that we're currently at. We've done it. This is the second time we've worked at the at the same school. Mm-hmm. We'll go to we're going to go through all that history yeah. here in a moment. Well, but, let's start there. Yeah. All right. So we're going to organize the the bulk of our conversation each day around a central question. And for this first episode, it seemed appropriate that what is Teacher Saves World would be our first question. Okay? So today's conversation, we're going to kind of take you how we got to this point. Sort of a a brief 20-year history <laughs> of of Matt and Lori's educate, you know, our 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 actually it's gonna go longer than because we're gonna back up. We're gonna go a little bit prior to our entry point into education. So it's gonna be a little more than twenty year history, and we're gonna try to get it done in about twenty or so minutes. So we're gonna try to spend about a a, a year per minute. Wow. Okay. okay. That's pretty good. That would work. Yeah. So. Where do we start? Well, we start before we were married. Before we married. Yeah, kind of our our union. Yeah. We were living down in I was living in Venice Beach and Matt was in downtown LA at an artist loft and we had known each other from Long Beach State. We had been friends for a long time. We had. Um, but had never dated. And um we did we found ourselves at a Christmas party together and um started dating from there. But we've yes. been friends for a long time. They don't need any more details beyond that. So we start oh, dating. Yes. 
and we're in Los Angeles and we're just, we're, we're, we're in our twenties, late, mid, late twenties. And we're just doing the whole LA, LA thing, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, for me, the LA thing meant waiting tables. <laughs> That's what it meant. I mean, I was, I was the, you know, the, the classic starving artist. I was playing music in a band and I had no business doing. I, um, I was living in the loft in, in downtown LA because I had co-founded a theater company with some college buddies of mine. So I was, I was, my bedroom was actually the sound booth of the theater, right? I had, I had no windows. I had this totally dark <laughs> interior room in this loft in downtown LA. So we were doing that. Um, I was waiting a lot of tables. Lori um, had a fantastic job that I I, yeah. I loved Lori's job more than she loved he, it. He did. Well, I was waiting tables at first, too, in, at Bobby McGee's in Burbank. And then one of my girlfriends had got a job at the Recording Academy, which most know is famous for the Grammy Awards. Um, and she said, hey, Lori, we need a girl Friday, you know, somebody to pick up the phone Fridays and maybe you can go to the Grammys with us. And so I said, that sounds cool. I never worked in an office before. So I, I jumped over and got that Friday gig and then it kind of moved into five days a week. And then I had became the assistant to our president, um, CEO, and was there for about 10 years at yeah. the Grammys. Yeah, it was great. Cause every, so this restaurant that I was working at in, in Westwood near the campus of UCLA, the, uh, the LA weekly, the free, you know, uh, newspaper would be delivered every Thursday. And I would run, like I would see the delivery guy drop off the LA weekly in the, uh, the little receptacle thing, the thing where they were stored, and I would go and I would grab one and I would rip it open and I would look at all the concerts coming to town. And then I would, I would right away, I would get on the phone. I'd call Lori at work. I said, Lori, we got to get tickets to uh, Radiohead's coming to town. Get tickets at Sonic Youth is coming to town. Smashing Pumpkins are coming to town. And, uh, oh, it was awesome. And we then saw- I'd call the record label <laughs> and they'd try to, you know, get after Grammy oh, party tickets. It was to pretty swap awesome. For. It, it, was a, it was fun. It was yeah. an exciting time. But it was awesome, but... Yeah. Right. That was awesome. But we were like, you were, you know, fully stressed out on your job. I was, I was going nowhere, right. With the whole artist thing. And so we decided it was time for a change. And Lori, uh, you know, was so lucky. She grew up in, in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And so we, we went there for a friend of hers, uh, wedding. And, and I was like, this place is so awesome. Let's, let's move here. Right. So we, we picked up and we moved to Hawaii. So this is now we're in the late nineties. And I said, I'm done. I'm done waiting tables and doing the whole starving artist thing. So we'll let, let's do something else. So we started a business. We invested in a jumpy house business. So we bought some jumpy houses, bought a van and drove. And this was like the front edge of jumpy house. Like jumpy houses were just just, we were at the, we were at the, we were a pioneer <laughs> in the, we were in our, here, the name of our company was Jump for Less. And our tagline was, why pay more for fun? Brilliant. That was, I was awesome. <laughs> it was such a great job and I loved it. And, and this is also, you got to mind, like pre-internet, right? So this is before uh, cell phones with maps on them. So I had a Thomas guide, right? So I had to drive all over the island in my van. Like I didn't, I'd never lived there, but it was incredible. It was an incredible year of, you know, going to all these kids parties and jumping up bouncy houses, which would take 20, 30 minutes each one. And then we would set them all up. We had like four of them and then we'd go hang out at the beach. And what better place to hang out at the beach than Hawaii, 
So it was an entire year of, of having our own business, driving all over this beautiful tropical paradise, hanging out at the beach, planning our wedding. Yep, we planned our wedding. Because we got married there in 1999, October 2nd, 1999. Yep. And then tragedy struck back in California. So my dad, my dad's shortly after we get married, he has a huge stroke, debilitating, yeah. life-changing stroke. And so that, so then we sell the business and we head back to California and we're like, well, we got to find work. We got to, you know. We rented a tiny little apartment in Huntington Beach. Tiny. And um, I didn't want to go back to the Grammys. No. Even though I kind of had freelanced a little for the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, we were kind of having a midlife crisis, yeah. but we were. So I, so I started substitute teaching and I had substitute taught before. And that was also one of the things along with the waiting tables, I had also done some, some substitute teaching and I knew some, my dad had been a school board member when I was a kid. So he knew some people and, and, you know, I called him up and, you know, we, I started substitute teaching and then one day, so this is a, this is 2000. This is like March of 2000. We mm -hmm. had just moved back. It was like February of 2000. We moved back to California. We're in Southern California. We're in Orange County and I'm substitute teaching and I'm just, I'm just out in the hallway. I don't know. It's like break time or lunch, whatever. And, and the principal comes like, like madly running by me. And I, I know her. And she, my, so she's my first principal. She's fantastic. Linda Paulson. She was great. And she goes, Hey, Matt, she goes, do you know math? And I was like, yeah, I, I know math. I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty decent with math. She goes, do you want a job? Do you want a job teaching math? And I was like, uh, yes, <laughs> yes. And it was probably like one of the best like moments I've ever had. Like I said, yes. And it completely changed my life. So yeah. like, then like two weeks later, I'm a teacher. I'm an emergency credentialed title one math and reading teacher at a middle school in Westminster, California, Warner Middle School, Warner Wildcats, Westminster, California. It was awesome. Yeah. It was, it was like exhilarating. It was scary. It was all these things. But one of the things I realized right away as I was doing this was that Lori was meant to do this. Lori was, I said, if, if I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm surviving, but Lori would thrive at this. And so I just knew her skill set. I knew how her, you know, her ability to connect and, and just, you know, her, her just ferociousness with like organization and planning. I said, she would be awesome at this. So I go home and I said, Lori, you've got to do this. You, you have got to do this too. You've got to do this whole teaching thing. It's awesome. You get to work with these kids and you get to help them. And the energy is fantastic. And you're surrounded by all these really great people you've got to try teaching. And I thought he was crazy. I thought no way in a million years would I want to do that. And at this point, I'd gotten a job at Long Beach State, our alma mater, and I was a secretary in the English department. And so Matt had kind of planted that seed and I kind of laughed it off. But then um, Professor Potts came up and said, hey, Lori, they need a English teacher full time. It was three months into the school year. So I think you should go and interview. Gar High School, Cerritos, California. And I was like, what? And I had not even taken an education class. I was kind of thinking about it, but he's all, you know, you're a theater major. You could just go and like pretend it's an audition, like you're auditioning for the role of a teacher. And I was like, oh, 
okay. And I thought, yeah, I could put like a teacher outfit on, some pearls or, you know, like, yeah, that's, I kind of could wrap my head around that. So I went to the interview and I quickly realized that basically anybody with a pulse walking through that door is going to get the job. They were emergency credentialing people left and right. They did not have enough teachers at all. We've said so much of life is just timing, right? We just really happened. Is. We just happened to like walk past schools when they were, you know, just on the streets asking people to come <laughs> in and start working. Like that was just our life. It was just we we were opportunistic. We were lucky yeah. in that way. He offered me the job and I was arguing with him that I had no right to take the job. Yeah. Like I was completely unqualified. He's like, "You'll be great." You'll and be we great. need a cheer coach too. I said and I had to try to draw the line like, yeah. "Oh my god, no." Yeah. Um so that was like one year after, yeah. I think it was one year after, after I was like, yeah. we're like 2001, 2002, somewhere mm-hmm. in there, you start teaching. And so now we've got, um, so now we're, we're into it, man. We're teachers. We, we, um, we bought our first house in Long Beach, California. Mm-hmm. We're like these, you know, we're newly married. We bought our first house. We got our first like jobs that, that like fulfill, like we're, we're doing meaningful work. Yeah. Like truly meaningful. And we are just absorbed fully in this because we're going to school at night. Right. There was no online classes yet. Mm-mm. So we're, we're going to school each night. We're working every day. We're, we're, we're reading, we're doing homework. We're talking to each other because Lori was working in a high school and I was working in a middle school and we were teaching different subjects, but we were teaching, we yep. were working with teenagers and it was just, it was all that we can think and talk about. Yeah. It consumed us. Consumed. We didn't really have much help from people either. We kind of were thrown in mid year you know, not that they right. were actively, you know, detached from us, but nobody, nobody like mentored us or I didn't know what to I do. Had, I had some really good mentors at my middle school. I, met, I had some great teacher friends there that really took me under the wing and I, we had lunch every day and they would help me with yeah, problems. You had a whatever. Good group. I had a really good group. I mean, I had a fun group, but I didn't have those, those mentors. Yeah. They kind of just uh, let me do what I wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we do this for a couple of years and then, um, Lori shares with me that we're going to be parents. We have our first child is on the way. Right. And, and it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't like it was a oops. It, we, we were, we were planning as much as you can plan this kind of stuff. So we were, we were working on it. Wink, wink. And, um, and as soon as it became real, as soon as like the, the test was positive, anything we thought, anything we thought we were going to do as new parents, completely flipped in our head because we were going to stay in our Long Beach house. We were going to keep our jobs. We loved our jobs. We loved our house. Everything was great. Lori, you know, but we had a mortgage. And so Lori was going to have to work after the time off that she could, you know, get. Um, and we were going to have to find some help for our new, you know, our baby. And, and we're like, no, we can't do, we, the islands are calling us. We have to raise our child in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. We really felt We got it. We have to, the, we have to have this child birthed in the oceans of Hawaii and just have the mana absorbed through his skin. <laughs> we are going to, we're going to have this magical baby raised in Hawaii and we're going to, we're going to move in with your mom because it's going to be different the second time. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to, and, uh, and so that will afford you more time. And we're going to, this house that we love that this house that is about to triple in value, we don't need it. Yeah. We're going to sell it. Who needs three times as much value in your home as you bought it for? 
Oh my we, we need a we need a, a child raised in Hawaii. Yeah, that's what we need. Talk so, about impracticality. Yeah. So we so quit we quit our beautiful jobs and sold our beautiful house. Sell our beautiful house. And and we moved in with Lori's mom in Hawaii. Unemployed. And um so yeah, so now I gotta find work. <laughs> so now I gotta find work. And I think people must have thought we were crazy. Crazy. And we were that we were kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit. Mm-hmm. And maybe a lot. I don't know. Yeah. And so I have to uh, I gotta find work. And so luckily, uh Lori's good friend, Karen from, from high school was working at a private school in the town that we were living in, uh, Kailua on the Island of Oahu and private school, leisure and Academy at the time it was just a K eight school. So I go and interview with a uh, principal, Vicki McNeil, Vicki, Vicki love like to this day, number one. Like our, the, like our number one administrator we've ever worked she with. She really took care of in, us. In the world. Mm. Um, Vicky, you know, shout, big shout out, Vicky McNeil. Yeah. And so uh, interview with Vicky, Vicky, uh, they needed somebody in the middle school. And so, so I came in and I, and I get a job at the middle school. So now this is 2003. Our son is born. Lori's home taking care of, she's taking the, the boy into the ocean. Yeah. Absorbing. My all little the, menehune. Absorbing all the mana. And I'm up at the middle school. Now, this is 2003. And this campus, this beautiful campus, kind of sets up on the hill a little bit. And 2003, it's a wireless campus. 2003, wireless campus, Wi-Fi. We're so ahead of the game. I Man. I'm given a laptop, 2003, and my 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 classroom has a lanai, which is like a little patio off the back. And my lanai, because this campus sets up on the hill a little bit, my lanai of my classroom looks out over the Pacific Ocean. Gorgeous. And I would sit out there with my laptop that was wirelessly connected to the network in 2003. Mm -hmm. And I would grade and I would plan and I, and I was teaching half as many classes as I did in my public school in California. I had half as many students in those classes. Oh, yeah. I had twice as much time to plan and grade for those students. That, you know, the downside was my paycheck had half as many dollars on oh, it. Oh, it was yeah. brutal. Uh, but who cares? We were in Hawaii. It was fan- like just beautiful. Beautiful. The, the, the working in a private school was awesome. The amount of like resources and, and the dedication we had advisory Remember we had advisory mm-hmm. there. It was, it was great. Wonderful. And, um, wonderful program. And, um, Diane Smith headed that up. She was awesome too. Yeah. Great. We just worked with really great people. Incredible there. people. And there's people from all over the world. Right? Yeah. Hawaii was a place where our headmaster was from England you shared a room with Madame Pualoa from France, mm-hmm. right? Um, remember, uh, remember Janice? Oh yeah, she was like a world traveler. She oh, like taught all over the place. She was incredible. She was like in Saudi Arabia. She was in South America. Yeah, she was all over the place. Yeah. So when I came and joined Matt at the high school after a year with Baby Toby, because um, they started off as a K eight, but they grew the high school in our yeah. time there. So I was one of the first of the high school staff, and. What shocked me was my alma mater was across the street. It was the rough and tumble public high school, Kailua High, which the kids would be threatened with if they did poorly at Leisure Dan, that they'd have to go to the 
public high school across the street and get beat up every day. Yeah. The public private thing is in Hawaii it's is so terrible. It's really, it's, it's like nothing. There's no other state that has as large percentage of its students in private as yeah. education as Hawaii. And how stigmatized the public school system is. It Unfortunately kinda, kinda so. hurt me yeah. a little bit. But I, you know, I was shocked that nobody, there was no Kailua High graduates on the faculty. You know, people were from all over, like we were saying, France, England, you know. Yeah. Um, it was very cosmopolitan. It was. And, well, I guess we'll connect with that a little bit later. Yeah. And, and we're, we're moving really slow through our history here. We're taking about two minutes per, uh -oh. per year. Yeah, Let's so speed we gotta, it up. We'll speed it up a little bit. Okay. So, <clears throat> so <we> now, <laughs> so, um, child number two is now about to arrive. Uh-oh. Yeah, child number two. And uh, so now, and we had just started to sort of like move out from your mom and try to establish like our own, you know, little family domicile, right? Get our own thing going on. And so now child number two come in and that means Lori's going to, you know, stay home. We have a single private school teacher. We're, you know, Ouch. benefits. We're totally different, right? We're paying, I was paying buku bucks, right? Mm -hmm. For, for benefits to cover the family. And so we just kind of realized, God, you know, we came to this decision reluctantly, but we just had to, we had to, we had to get off the Island because it was just so, so expensive, too expensive it for was two teachers. It was crushing. Yeah. It really was crushing. You know, and we and didn't want to leave. Not at all. But not at all. And, and Hawaii is, if you're going to be broke anywhere, Hawaii is a great place to be mm -hmm. poor. Like it's, it is so like just the, the outdoor climate year round, the, the beaches, so many great free things to do. Um, but now we had two, two kids or we had one kid and one on the way. And, you know, we were being, you know, practical. We were like, you know, we need yeah. to save for college. We, we want to travel some travel other place England and someday we, we want to do some things that we want to expose into something we want a second car yeah. we don't want to have to share the one car which is what we're, we would love a second bathroom that would have been nice so i didn't have to like rush through the you know newspaper article i could, I could just <laughs> enjoy it so well, we decide to get off the island yeah yeah so we're gonna so we like we're coming back to california but this is now 2006 and 2008 hadn't happened yet with the the financial collapse like everything was still super was at its peak right 2006 was a really expensive time so moving back to southern california where we were previously well really wasn't any different than hawaii it was pretty close it was pretty it was about the same huntington beach and long beach were our two spots yeah so that that wasn't going to happen so mm -hmm. we started looking elsewhere and california is a pretty big state and our we still had our california teaching credentials and they work anywhere in the state and Lori had family because her mom was from this little town called Tulare, California. It's in the center of the state. And it's the part of California no one thinks about. I don't think even people in California do not know, not just where Tulare is. They have really no concept of the whole Central Valley. No. Yeah. It's like the Oklahoma part of California. Yes. Right. You say California. And what pops to mind? Beaches, Hollywood, L.A., uh, San Francisco, Golden Gate Bridge. Right. San Diego heading over the border to Mexico. You got the big redwoods up north. You got Yosemite. But we are we're we're close to uh, Kings Canyon and Sequoia National Park. It was really close to us. Yeah. But when but, we describe <clears throat> it as being in between Fresno and Bakersfield, we always get, oh, yeah, ooh. like, oh, I was yeah. like, wait a minute. Those are like our big cities where we go to nice dinners at. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. in between of those. But likely whatever you had for dinner or whatever you ate today, there's a there's a high, high chance that something you consumed today was was grown yes here like 
the counties that we live in, so LA, I mean LA, uh, Tulare County, we live in Tulare, the city, which mm-hmm. is in Tulare County, uh, Fresno County to the north, Kern County to the south. Those are like the top three agricultural producing counties in the entire nation. Yep. Feeds the country. We are farmland USA. We're Our particular town is heavy on the dairy industry. Mm-hmm. We have lots of, we have way, way more cows. We have probably like, I don't know, what is it? Six, seven, eight times as many cows in our town than, 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 than human humans. Beings. Yeah. And it smells like it too. <laughs> it often, it often smells like it, but, <laughs> but that all those things combined. So being like two hours away from, from the ocean, smelling like cows, those mean it's more affordable. Right. And, and Lori had some family here because her mom had grown up here. And even though her mom was in Hawaii at the time, Lori still had lots of cousins. And so he's like, well, let's go there. It's only like a three hour drive down to Southern California we can get a job, a teaching job there. It's way less expensive. Let's do it. So we go there. Well, 2006, I have a multiple subject teaching credential. No child left behind has fully got its grips. It's got a death grip on, on Mm -hmm. education at the time. I'm not highly qualified to work in middle school. That's ridiculous. I'm not highly qualified. And, and I was like, Oh, um, so, uh, so where can I get a job? And I was like, you can work in like a elementary classroom. And I was like, what? (laughs) yeah you can work in an elementary classroom and i was like oh um okay can i work can i at least work with the oldest of them so i got a a sixth grade self-contained classroom this would mean more to you if you could see matt yeah because he's six foot six he's a big guy so he's he was thinking elementary would be like Arnold Schwarzenegger in a yeah. kindergarten cop. It's not a tumor. And he, no, it is not a tumor. <laughs> like so humongous compared to these little guys. Oh, that was a great movie, <laughs> by the way. That was really funny. Yeah, he was great in that. Um, yeah, so anyway, so uh, it was still, I did it for one year. Mad, mad respect for elementary teachers. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. They're incredible. Like spending one day with the, like, the same group of kids, like all day. That's a it's different a, dynamic. Incredible. I'm, I'm so glad I did mm-hmm. it. I couldn't have lasted more than one year. And it was a, actually only was like part of one year. It was most of one year, but mm-hmm. it wasn't even an entire year. So then I was able to move to a, a country school, a K-8. In this area, we have a lot of single school districts. I would imagine any sort of rural area is going to have schools like this, where it is a, a single school district, one school, K-8, maybe K-12 if it's really rural. And... The principal and the superintendent are the same person. The vice principal drives mm-hmm. the bus. Like everybody does, you know, you know, the sixth grade teacher, you know, cleans the bathrooms. We all wore multiple hats. And um, I was able to use my multiple subject teacher credential there because there was only two eighth grade teachers. And so we taught, like, we just split it up. I did reading, science, and algebra. She did language arts and history and uh, pre-algebra. And it was awesome. I really, I really had a good time those two years. Yeah, I was there. Total family vibe. Mm -hmm. These schools kind of like all the families live in like one small rural community. Um, It was really cool. I really enjoyed my time there. Met some really cool people. Some people I'm still friends with to this day. Absolutely. Yeah. And you find work as well? Yeah. And then I got a job at Tulare Western High School um, as an English teacher. And a year later, the brand new high school was opening up, Mission Oak High School. Now, because this little town we live in, Tulare's had two high schools for, you know, the last 50, 60 years. 
And uh, yeah. one of them my mother went to, and she's 85. So right. two. And that first one was there for how, like 130 yeah, years. Yeah, so 60, 70 years before the second one even came around. Yeah. Yeah. So Mission Oak, this brand new high school, I thought, ooh, I kind of had my eyes on that. Like, how often do you get to open a brand new public high school? Right. It just doesn't happen that often. Right. And so I did a transfer over, and then. We got Matt over there the next couple of years. He yeah, came so then over. I, yeah, so then I had to go out and get some single single subject credentials. So I had to yep. get credentialed to go up to high school. So I got a, a PE and an English single subject. So the second year that Lori was there, then I, I transfer over there and we're, we're reunited. I know. Reunited. And this is actually the second time that we're part of a building of a high school together. Yeah. Right? Because in Hawaii, yeah. Leisure Dan, we were part of that process. So we knew what it was like that people either are drawn to that or they're like, no way. Yeah, it takes a lot of work. It does. It's, a lot of energy. But it's it's a great energy, mm-hmm. right? The people that are drawn to those building projects, yep. those good people. Yeah, you're creating a legacy. Solid, you're creating all of people. the traditions. Right. Um, it's exciting. It is. It's awesome. But one of the things, and we're, 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 I think we're finally getting to like our, our big point here. Mm-hmm. We're getting close. Yeah. Um, we're, we're taking way more than a minute per, per year, but that's okay. Sorry, everybody. That's all right. So <clears throat> we are early in our, our tenure there at, at our, our new high school, Mission Oak High School, Tulare, California. We are, you know, going around the table, all the faculty and everybody's, um, it was like a little icebreaker. Everybody's mentioning where they went to high school. And so the other two schools, other two high schools in our, in our town are Tulare Western and Tulare Union. And just about everybody, admin and teachers, like went to one of those two high schools. Yeah. We were some of the only two. There was a couple that went to like Visalia High School. Visalia is the next town north of us, about 20 minutes north. Mm -hmm. But pretty much everybody was from that area. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was weird. Yeah, we were. It was not anything. We were outsiders. It, it wasn't weird for them, obviously, but it was really weird for us because we had come from areas where that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. We had come from Southern California and Hawaii, two places that have such turnover, right? They are, they're highly desirable areas. They have you know great weather, great opportunities, and it draws people from all over the world. Yeah. So even though you were from Hawaii and I was from Southern California and we spent time in both of those places, we so rarely like worked with and interacted with people that we went to high school with. There's just people all over the place, right? And so when you're in places that are like that, that are just uh, lots of new people, you're always constantly meeting new people. People are open to new people. And then we come to, we come to Tulare, we come to the Central Valley and we realize everybody's from here, right? Every, we, we felt like outsiders, like we've never felt before and not in a bad way, not in an, no. a, Hey, get away. We don't want you. No, kind we're of way. very close to our staff. It was just yeah. in a, wow, we, we don't share high school stories with you. Yep. We don't, we didn't go to the prom with any of you mm-hmm. in here. We, we didn't play sports with any of you guys. Yep. We didn't have any of you as teachers like the older ones, right? Because we yeah. have some staff who were students in some of our older staff's classes like when they were yeah. in high school. Yeah, <clears throat> And so the, the, this is kind of simmering in our heads for a while and we, you know, go back into our classroom and have a teaching day. And after a couple of weeks, we're like, you know, 
you know what really hit us <laughs> is that every kid sitting in our class, most likely, majority, will end up staying in Tulare. Yeah, the entire future of our town is in our classrooms every day. Yeah. That was like the next way. Like once we kind of sat on the whole, we're outsiders kind of thing. We kind of stood on that for a little And once, once we basically stopped thinking about ourselves, right? Yeah. Once wow. we kind of got off ourselves, we were, you know, ended the self-absorption and we looked out into our classrooms and we're like, wow, right? There's, there's all the future firemen, policemen, future teachers, mm-hmm. nurses, chefs, uh, personal trainers, any, you know, Our shop owners, neighbor, next door neighbor, potentially totally. these kids landscaper are in our going to be in our town. They're going to be in our town. So, you know, every once in a while you have a, a kid that you're thinking, who can't wait for this guy to graduate. You know, those, those ones that test you, but we realized, you know, nobody, there is no getting rid of no people when you live in a small town and people primarily stay. Yeah. Um, wow, what vital importance the, the, that we reach these kids. The future. The future was right in front of us. And and it seems so corny to say that. And and I know I'm not coming to some sort of like revelation. I'm maybe not telling you something you don't know. But it was that moment where we realized, wow, like the awesome power, the awesome responsibility mm-hmm. of our, like Spider-Man, right? With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. We understood it right then. It was like, you know, we, we were always absorbed by this profession. We were always compelled to, to talk and to work and to figure it out. We were constantly frustrated and exhilarated. And it was the, the topic that has dominated our conversations for all of these years. And it was that moment when we finally realized that's why. That's why, because when anybody sets out to work with young people, when you, and I don't, we're talking about teachers, but it's really anybody, it's parents, yeah, it's coaches, it's youth leaders, it's the dance instructor, it's anybody who invests in young people is setting out every day to save the world. They're setting out every day to keep the world from falling apart. Yeah. They're trying to help these young people become the best versions of themselves. Yep. To, to, to grow. We're trying to push them beyond where they want to go. Mm -hmm. We're we're talking teenagers here. Yep. Right. We're talking teenagers and who don't necessarily like to be told to do anything, but we're trying to find ways. We're trying to motivate them. We're trying to make connections and we're trying to get them to become the most incredible version of themselves so that when they head out into the world and they become that chef, that landscaper, that fireman, that they are great at it. Because I want, in my town, I want incredible chefs. I want great restaurants to go to. I want my firemen to be top notch. I want my policemen to to be of such high integrity and to be so skilled and so good at what they do so that I feel incredibly safe in my town. I want my town to be full of highly skilled, uh, great people, kind people, giving people. And I knew right then that the way that I'm going to make that happen is I've got to go into my classroom every single day and I have to kick butt. Yep. I have to go in every single day and I have to give them everything that I have 
because every day I'm a teacher trying to save the world. And no day can be wasted because no. the day, I always think about timing being such a critical part of life. The day maybe that one kid is ready to hear it. What if that's the day you're like, meh, I'm not feeling it. Let me put a movie in, you no. know, like no. you can't because everyone no. filing through your door was that little newborn baby in somebody's arm at some point. They looked into those eyes and said, wow, you're my world. You're my universe. Yeah. And even though our kids are not always easy, our students, you know, and there's big time pushback with a lot of them, right? But we hope that the, some of the things ring, stay with them and echo in their heads far beyond our classroom. Yeah. That we, we, don't, put, we don't always see it. We don't. It's we a don't. long game we're playing. It is. And I think that's um, why teachers burn out or, yeah. you know, get frustrated, want to leave because they don't see the, the dividends, right? Yeah. Or like, like a business and you get a monetary bonus. Like our bonuses, we may never see. Yeah. Cause I know we've all that, had that experience where maybe years later, a kid reaches out to you and, and parrots something you said to them. And, and you're like, well, uh, what? I thought you hated me. You, <laughs> you know? were, you were <laughs> listening. Wait, what? You yeah. know, or even maybe it's a kid like you don't, you got to, reach back in your memory to remember exactly right. who that child was. That doesn't matter though. What matters is something you said connected. Yeah. And um, what better way to spend your time? Yeah. If you're going to work your butt off. Yeah. I mean, it's going out and saving the world. It's every day. saving the world. That's what we do. Cliche as it sounds. That's what we do. All right. Well, we're going to get to a lot of these stories. We're going to have, we have, it's uh, hopefully it's obvious. We have a lot to talk about, but we're going to try to, you know, keep it at about this length every time. So, um, so that's, that's teacher saves world. Mm -hmm. I hope we answered that question. What is teacher saves world? Well, that's what it is. It's, it's the feeling that teachers have every day when they go out there to invest in young people and be that a parent or a teacher or a coach, anybody you're out there saving the world every day. Yeah. And without teachers, this world falls apart. Absolutely. We're finding that out right now during Good the coronavirus. Lord. Yes. All right, so um, we're going to end every show with a segment we're calling "That's the Beauty of It All." Now we're calling it "That's the Beauty of It All" because we're gonna we're gonna end the show. We're gonna bring Brian and Virtual Campfire back into it at the end of the show, and we're gonna play an entire song of his, one of our favorite songs of all time. I love this. It's song. called "That's the Beauty of It All" because that's you know that it kind of sums up mm -hmm. what this is all about. Life is beautiful. Yeah. And it's extra beautiful when you invest every day in making it a better place. So we're going to come up with a little, a little speech here, but the speech is going to be short and it's going to be, we love to have creative constraint. So it's going to be exactly 250 words. Exactly. And the last seven are scripted. The last seven are, and that's the beauty of it all. And then we're going to launch it. We're going to play the entire song. We're not going to play a snippet. We're going to play the entire song because the entire, we want to end every show with this song. And you'll see why. Once you hear the song, you're going to realize this, there's no better way for us to end every show than with this song. But I was thinking about the, the, what I get to do every day and the power of thinking of it in that way. I get to, I don't have to. I get to, okay? So that's the first one. I'm going to title this, I get to. So this is our first edition of, and that's the beauty of it all. Here we go. 
Every day I get to. I don't have to, but I get to. Every day I get to wake up in a house with the people that I love. Every day I get to work on making the world a better place for them. I get to help them solve problems. I get to provide sustenance. I get to redirect them if they stray outside of the lines. I get to push them further than they often think possible. But I know. I get to make plans. And I get to drink deliciously rich black coffee. And I get to share all of this with a woman I love before I even leave the house. I then get to travel across the street and invest in other people's children. I get paid to help teenagers grow up. I get to teach them what I know about what it takes to not only survive, but to thrive in this world. I get to absorb their anxiousness, their wonder, and their untamed creativity. I get to be infuriated and frustrated. And then I get to feel my heart soar. Every day I get to. And when the workday is over and I head back across the street, I get to watch my own children play and grow and compete and create. I get to fall onto the couch exhausted and hold a pint of deliciously crafted beer in my hand. And I get to share all of it with Lori. And that's the beauty of it all. Aww. And that's our first episode. Actually, yeah. episode 7,301. <laughs> AKA episode one. It's just come to a close. <laughs> that was beautiful. So we're going to play And That's the Beauty of It All. We enjoy to invite you. Get up and dance. Sing along, but enjoy. And we'll see you next time on Teacher Saves World. Tonight I